Welcome to Home, Space and Reason, a podcast about creating a home that thrives. Hi there, I'm Christina Browning, your host. If you know your home could be so much more than it is, I discuss home functionality, aesthetics, and automation. I am a real estate agent in Portland, Oregon, and a home functionality coach for anyone with video conferencing capabilities, no matter where you live. I geek out on every subject imaginable regarding your home and yard, challenging you to think of your space differently to get the most out of every square foot, no matter if you reside in a 4,500-square-foot home or 350. I pose questions for you to think through about your space and your reason. This podcast is all positive, offering you virtual fist bumps and celebrating every win. Remember, there's no such thing as perfect, but you can still aim for your best every day. Follow along on social media under the handle Space and Reason. In this episode, let's discuss organization and the KonMari method. Peter Walsh said, clutter isn't just the stuff in your closet. It's anything that gets between you and the life that you want to be living. Let's start by taking a big, deep, relaxing breath and maybe even closing your eyes. And picture for me, what organization looks like to you. It might mean a minimalistic kitchen with light colors or light wood, a Scandinavian feel maybe. It might mean a master bedroom closet straight out of the movies where you can see everything lined up neat and tidy. Maybe it's more of a feel than a particular look. It feels light and easy. It feels like it takes less work for you to occupy that space. Creating a home that thrives is in part creating a space that allows you peace and to wash off the fatigue of the day. Your space should make you feel fulfilled and happy, not stressed and heavy. Let's talk about history for a moment because as a country, this organizing thing wasn't even a thing until we had so many things. There was a tipping point in our history when mass production made buying things more accessible to everyone. Plastic made things cost less. Entering into a world economy with the ability to buy things from other countries means we could buy more and more. Things were less expensive. Add in the internet to the mix and we are owners of so many things. And now a few generations into this, where our parents and possibly their parents were alive during this post mass production time, and they've passed on their stuff to you and me, and it's added to our stuff. 
holy buckets. If this resonates with you and you haven't listened to episode eight, Managing Sentimental Things, you should absolutely have a listen. The struggle is real. There are so many ways to organize and our brains work differently. So some methods may resonate more than others. Most tidying methods advocate a room-by-room or little-by-little approach, creating a scenario that may just never end because it's not structured with a beginning and an end date. Today, we're talking specifically about the KonMari method. People around the world have been drawn to this philosophy not only due to its effectiveness, but also because it places great importance on being mindful, introspective, and forward-looking. I have invited Kristen Ivey and Karen Sochi to talk about the KonMari method. They are not only licensed KonMari consultants, but they're also the co-host of the Spark Joy podcast dedicated to the transformative power of surrounding yourself with joy and letting go of all the rest. Spark Joy has over 150 episodes filled with practical home organizing tips that you can indulge in while you tidy. Kristen, tell me your thoughts on getting organized during this time when we feel like we don't have much control over all the things that are happening around us in the world. How important is it right now? Oh, it's extremely helpful. Well, number one reason is comfort is so important right now. And our home is something that we can actually control. I immediately thought about everyone who doesn't feel really comfortable or organized at home and how they're not going to have that break where they can go to work and not look at the clutter. Um, Work is now at home along with many other activities. So I was on a mission from day one to help people who are feeling a little bit too close to their clutter get through that. And now that we are a little bit more used to this new normal, then I've been helping my clients virtually getting really settled with their work from home situation by doing a tidy desk series where we're actively tidying through our screens because we're getting really comfortable with that. So that's the good news. So we've been able to still, you know, tidy on. No matter where you are in your personal journey, there's always room for baby steps forward. Organizing can be learned. It's a practice, much like meditation. It can feel hard in the beginning, but it gets familiar and more natural as time goes on. Karen, were you always an organizer? I come from a long line of very organized people and organized in the sense that they would relieve their own anxiety by vacuuming at two o'clock in the morning and that kind of thing. So things were not really ever out of place. I also come from a long line of collectors. So I inherited both of those traits. I was a collector, which in some ways is described as an organized hoarder. And I collected all kinds of things. I collected antiques and collectibles. And I I could never just own one of something. If I found one bell in a souvenir shop that was great on vacation, I then all of a sudden was collecting bells from all over the place. It was just really a thing with me. When I finally realized how much time I was spending just taking care of all of this stuff, I realized that even though on the outside things looked very organized in my home, it wasn't really organized at all. It was really just a mask 
set of things that I was continually maintaining. And it was really keeping me from having the kind of life that I wanted to have. It really kept me stuck in the past. It kept me stuck in one place, just emotionally and psychically. And I realized that I, I had to start becoming much more selective about what I was surrounding myself with. So I guess in a way I was organized, at least it looked that way on the outside. But mentally, it was just nothing but chaos in my life. I always enjoy the process of self-reflection because when we do it, we learn so much about ourselves. Tell me about the move you made that gave you some different perspective on yourself. So I was moving from one small apartment to another small apartment in New York. Both apartments were super different from each other. The first apartment that I had lived in for nine years was 110-year-old, five-story apartment in a really old, historic part of New York City. And I was moving to the 35th floor of a brand new high-rise skyscraper in Midtown. The appointments were so different, there was no way that I could take that old life with me. I was also moving in with my now husband, and it was our first shared home. So I knew that I had to decide once and for all whether I was going to continue being surrounded by all of this stuff or I wanted to try something different. So at that same time, Marie's book came out in English, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. And I somehow just bought it. And, you know, I have no idea how I found it to begin with. Read the book and decided that as part of my move, I was going to do a complete Kanmari tidying festival and see where that led me. So I did. And I followed the book as best as I could. I ended up getting rid of half or more of everything I owned and moved into this apartment with such lightness and such optimism about what the future held that. I was just smitten with this whole idea that not only was it about the stuff, but it was about my future and it was about my life going forward. And that's really how I kind of fell in love with, with KonMari and getting organized. Kristen, when did you become introduced to the concept of the KonMari method? My path actually started in Virginia. I went to three different high schools because my dad was in the military. So whenever we'd moved, the one thing that I had control over is how my room would be set up. So I, I had always been a fan of organization or putting things in order. It helped me kind of relieve anxiety. I even got a master's in interior design after 14 years of being an engineer because I thought I was going to go in that direction. So I've always had an appreciation for our built environment and putting things in order. I know that Karen's move was kind of her aha moment, if we want to use Oprah speak. What was the impetus for you? The professional organization industry had been around since the 80s, but nothing had really popped up that was refreshing this whole idea of putting organization first at home. What was different when I approached this whole idea of KonMari was that it was couched as this revolutionary, non-traditional way of looking at organization. So I gravitated towards the book. And then when I found $300 worth of tagged clothes that were brand new, that did not spark joy, that's when I was like, oh, this is different. This is not run to the store and buy fancier bins and yet another organization tool. This is about actually doing this so comprehensively and holistically across the thousands of things that you have in your home that you actually shift your mindset. So you're not only finding a place for everything, putting things in order, but in order to be tidy once and for all, you're actually paying attention to what goes in and out of your home so you can maintain it with ease. 
Give me some perspective here. Do all your containers in your home look like a perfect Instagram post about organizing? Like what's real life for you? I don't really take myself too seriously when it comes to finding the perfect bin. I have reusable gift boxes in my house that are perfect. You know, I didn't run out and buy a acrylic one or a bamboo one because I like the repurposing of that. So I love that that's a great emphasis in the method as well. Reduce, reuse, and recycle really kicks in my creative side as well. So those are all the things, and there's probably more that I like about the method and what attracted me to it. Well, let's cut to the chase. Tell me about the six basic rules of tidying. There's something to be learned at each little rule, but these are basically kind of the ideas that she presents as far as the method. And the first one is commit yourself to tidying up. And that's the motivation is always first. I always can tell when a client is going to be successful by the degree that they tell me how motivated they are. They tell me what it is that's motivating them to do this because this is not easy. Okay, tell me about the second one. Imagine your ideal lifestyle. This sounds like a fun exercise. It's kind of thinking of your best life. And what does that look like? This is really about trying to think about what comes next for you. And, you know, although the past is certainly important and we, we honor and respect the paths that have gotten us to where we are, it's really important to, to look forward and to think in terms of what is my best life going forward from this point on. I think most of us don't often intentionally slow down and reflect at this level and really ask what could be. One of the ones that I see across the board is honesty, authenticity, or integrity. Like all of those things are values that they hold true in their life. And so I like to remind my clients that the first way to honor those types of values is to actually turn them into yourself. Because I think we always think about like being honest is an outward thing, like for to be honest with others. But what I've found in my work with clients is that when we walk through this very specific exercise that I do where we build out their vision of their ideal lifestyle and the ideal living environment, and we also get reconnected with their core values, the process of being really true about decisions and aspirations that we have within our home is a way to check in and align ourselves with how we are honest with ourselves. So it truly is a practice of self-discovery, self-love, definitely self-care. I call it radical self-care. I totally get it. Because it's a bit uncomfortable so that you can then learn and grow and improve other areas of your life. Okay, on to the third rule, editing down so many things. And this is super important because in KonMari, it's important to do the editing and the discarding before you even think about organizing, because it is really about coming to terms with the decisions that you've made in the past. About your things, yeah. And making a decision that either they haven't been working for you at all, or they're not bringing you the things in life that you want. You know, like I said about my own experience, I, I looked around me and, and even though I could tell a story about everything that I had in my home. It was really about everything that had happened before and not about a future. So that was really important for me to come to terms with the fact that I had spent a lot of time in my life shopping and buying things that didn't really work for me, that I had a closet full of clothes that I thought looked beautiful in the store or looked beautiful on the sale rack, or they were a great deal and how could I pass this up? 
but they weren't really me and they didn't really work for me. And, and my life was full of those kind of things. So it really did take a, a big dose of honesty. So it's an honesty process of getting yourself to this point. Very few people just wake up one morning and say, oh, I think I'll call an organizer and get organized. It's really usually about something that's causing them a great deal of pain, whether they're their job isn't working or their relationships are not great or they just feel overwhelmed and stressed and anxious all the time. You know, those are usually the things that, that bring us to a place where we're coming to terms with what our homes and lives are filled with. Um, so can we talk about the boxes, all the pretty, clear, and color boxes that make for the glorious photos, boxes with compartments or open fronts. Oh, the boxes. I could move into the container store and live there. Finish discarding first. This is a very universal experience. Now, a lot of our clients, they will, they will say to us, oh, so should I go to the container store before you get here and buy a bunch of great bins? And we always say, no, do not buy anything at the container store. Do not buy anything at Amazon until we've done the sorting and discarding first. Which makes sense to me because if you don't ultimately know what you'll have in the end to organize anyway or how much, you can't really gauge space or containers until you have a grasp on the items and quantity. The fourth rule of the Kunmari method is tidy by category and not by location. And this is a bit of a hallmark. So if anyone has seen Kunmari in popular culture on the Netflix Tidying Up with Marie Kondo show or in the life-changing magic of Tidying Up, you'll remember the pile of clothes that's kind of the signature. That is an example of a category. So although the clothing usually is on top of a bed in a bedroom, that person is addressing the category of clothing and bringing all clothes from their attic, their basement, their car, their mom's house. And the reason why we tidy by category and not by room or location is that when you check in with a category, you're really feeling the weight of that particular item in your life. You're removing it from its context, meaning a drawer or closet. My clients always say, oh, wow, I've been looking for this. Or, oh, wow, I had a lot more than I thought. And when you start understanding that you have a lot more than you thought, that's when you can shift your perception of what enough means for you. Amen. Yes, I can see how that would be powerful. Okay, tell me about rule number five, which I understand to be follow the right order. Tell me more about that so we can understand what it means and why it's a rule. Uh, so there are five categories in the Kunmari method, and they are clothing, books, paper, kimono, which is Japanese for miscellaneous items, and I call it Amazon.com. It's a whole lot of things. <laughs> and then last but not least, of course, is sentimental. So it's so important to follow the right order because it's an intentional order. So you start with clothing because it's typically less sentimental and it's close to your body and it represents your character and personality. Anything you find in those first four categories that makes you pause or really brings you down or you just feel torn on whether or not to let go, you can deem it as sentimental. And that's the fifth category. So you work your way up to the harder items and you don't let them sidetrack you or take you down memory lane. And then last but not least is rule number six, and that's ask yourself if it sparks joy, which is, of course, the foundation of everything. 
And joy means a lot of different things to different people. When I was holding an item, I would say, oh, I love this. I'm keeping it. And so that's why my business is for the love of tidy, because that was what joy meant to me. So if you don't understand what that means, I always recommend just walking through the process. There's always something that lights my client up when they start with clothing. They tell me a story, their mood changes. I say, okay, that's our bar. Everything should be moving towards being that exciting. And of course, not everything is, but that's the bar. So walking through the exercise will help you figure out what that joy word means. I know many times people will watch a remodel show on like HGTV, for example, and because the whole teardown and rebuild happens in 30 minutes, although people intellectually know it takes a long time in real life, it often surprises people because so much of the hardships and time passing is not shown on the shows. There were two Kanmari consultants, just like ourselves, helping all of the families that walked through this Kanmari exercise on the Netflix Tidying Up show for hours after Marie Kondo left. So that is also something that wasn't really highlighted, and but it's important to mention. And we even interviewed those ladies on SparkJoy podcast in episodes 67 and 68. As a realtor, when I'm walking buyers through a home and it's ultra neat and tidy, it shows like a million bucks. So this exercise is good for more than your health, your family, and your well-being now. It can also make an impact on the offer price you get for your home in the future. When buyers feel like you've honored the home and taken good care of it, they have more confidence in buying it. So setting up our own expectations properly will reflect how we feel about diving into this process. So I'm wondering what I should expect about how long it takes to do this. For some clients, we go through their entire apartment or maybe dorm room, for example, in five hours. That is actually very, very rare. But it is definitely something that most people accomplish, if not within a few weeks, certainly within a few months. I'm sure for a 400 square foot apartment, it's like apples and oranges compared to a 3,500 square foot home, just from a sheer volume perspective. Given those parameters, it really depends on how much stuff someone has. One of the things we talk about a lot is that it's super important to calendar time to do this. It's not something that you just, in a fit of, of frustration, decide you're going to do it in a weekend. That almost never is successful and just leads to more frustration, but also that you give yourself time, that you do it in increments of time. Usually we suggest between three to five hours that you can devote with a lot of thoughtfulness and intentionality to the process. And that means that when you start finding yourself getting tired, you take a break. You know, no matter how much stuff someone feels that they have, there is definitely an end point. And the process is different for everyone. We believe so strongly in the fact that you should plan this like a project, like an event, that we dedicated an entire episode of SparkJoy Podcast just to how to plan your Kanbari tidying event. So you're not just waking up one morning and finding yourself an hour or two later buried under a pile of clothes. There's a very careful way to execute this. So that's episode 73 of SparkJoy Podcast. Note taken. I love that idea. I know people who can be very concise and when given options, quickly know what their choice is going to be. Of these 15 things on the menu, I want Ike's Vietnamese chicken wings. Bam. 
I also know people who second guess themselves 1000 times and can't make a decision to save their own life. There's so many kinds of people, and so this experience must vary so greatly from one person to the next in that editing and purging stage. Some people are really thoughtful about every decision that they make, and other people are very yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. It depends on how much stuff they have, how big their place is, and all of those things. Some people don't have a lot of clothes. I've definitely worked with people who had tiny little closets, but their apartments were floor to ceiling full of dusty books that they hadn't looked at or DVDs or CDs that they never used, but they were taking up half their apartment. I often discuss breaking things down into baby steps to avoid the feeling of overwhelm. Does this method have a version of that? You know, we also talk about this idea that there are five categories, but there are countless subcategories. So if someone is feeling really overwhelmed with the amount of clothes that they have and they don't want to do a big Netflix TV show pile on the bed that is 10 feet tall, they can start with something like their T-shirts or maybe their underwear or something that feels manageable. And, you know, like I said, I always try to estimate how long it will take to get through a particular subcategory shooting for that three to five hour length of time and do a subcategory, do one subcategory, do, you know, if you're in the middle of books, do cookbooks first or do fiction or or whatever it takes to just kind of make it manageable. And so those are the baby steps that we talk about in KonMari a lot. It's just manageable pieces. You want to feel like you've accomplished a little something every time you organize because that is your motivation to keep going. So here's the question. When the rubber hits the road, what steps do you find are the hardest for most people? I will say that just getting started or even starting your tidying day, whatever category you're on, can be really difficult. They will say, oh my gosh, I got this funny feeling right before we got started today. It's almost like that feeling you get before you go to the gym, right? <laughs> like you, you definitely don't want to do it. But then once you're there and you're working on it, it's like, wow, why did I even hesitate? And then I would say the other difficult piece of this is once you get to miscellaneous items, that is the little tiny things. I've seen that kind of break people, right? The the screws, the safety pens, the little game pieces, the Legos, that can get really, really difficult because it's so tedious sometimes depending on the volume of your clutter. And it's hard to separate into subcategories if your your items are very commingled. I would say those are kind of the two points that are definitely when you're like at the peak of, of uncomfortability, <laughs> then, then it typically will get easier from there. If you do this really true to the order and the structure and you get to sentimental with all those decisions behind you and you truly round out each category with a lot of mindfulness, then sentimental is really not that bad. But you have to follow it true to the order and take your time and not try to rehash categories. So I see that a ton. So my clients will come to me and say, ah, yeah, I did clothing like about four times. And I'm like, "Uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-oh. The best thing you can do for any category that you find yourself revolving around and doing like over and over and over is to move on to the next category because all of the categories inform each other, like one big puzzle. So actually making space on your bookshelf, you know, by making some decisions about books, 
build your decision-making muscle, and then maybe you can put a bin on the shelf that holds some of your jewelry. They all work together. Or you might find a bin in your bathroom that might hold your socks and your bras. It's really one big process. Storage is very fluid. Nothing is really permanent until the end. And that can be really hard for people to comprehend because they want that final answer instantly. I often mention self-talk and keeping your inner dialogue positive. Do you have a personal mantra? I have a lot of mantras for different circumstances, but I would say the one that has followed me through most of my career as an organizer and as an aspiring organized person is just do it anyway. And that comes from David Allen, who is one of the many amazing guests that we've interviewed. The episode is Spark Joy podcast number 131, which I'll link to in the podcast notes. And I will tell you as an organizer, sometimes I wake up and I'm expected at a client and I'm like, oh man, I don't know if I feel like doing this today. And by the time I get there and start organizing at the end of those five hours, I am just elated. It is so inspiring, even to organize with someone else, you know, someone else's things. I have a lot of clients who call me and We speak and we talk about getting them organized and then I don't hear from them for a few months and then all of a sudden they're ready. Or someone who calls and we set up an appointment and maybe they change the appointment a couple of times. But once they get started, it is really inspiring and motivating. And like we were saying earlier, it really kind of builds on itself. So to me, just do it anyway is really something that that gets me going even on those days when I feel like, oh, I just don't know if I can do this today. Kristen, do you have a saying or phrase that resonates with you? Uh, wake up and be awesome. <laughs> in my room, I have a little art installation that says that, and it kind of summarizes how I go about my days here. So literally that message wakes me up every day. I, I always keep it in mind. I'm going to read an excerpt from an article by the Huffington Post where Margaret Dillaway beautifully discusses the connection between the Shinto mindset of her late mother and KonMari. The Shinto mindset was present in everything my mother did. Both she and my father grew up in poverty, she in rural Japan, and he in a coal mining town. After they married, they didn't have much money compared to others in our neighborhood. My father supported us on his Navy retirement salary and by selling jewelry at JCPenney's. But we had a nice, if modest, home. Whereas my father's response to the wealth we had resulted in Neiman Marcus credit card debt and a garage stuffed full of 30 plus years of cheap goods, my mother disliked the disposable, acquisitional mentality of Western culture. She recycled long before it was popular, repurposing objects that others might have thrown away. She washed out plastic bags and reused them because a great deal of energy and materials had gone into their manufacturing. She composted. She saved rainwater. She took glass bottles and made them part of her garden display. She cut up old shirts and used them as rags, saved the buttons for sewing projects. I'm using my mother as an example, but it's cultural to imbue objects with a sort of dignity. Japanese culture, like any, is not monolithic, but the expectation to respect where you live and work 
and therefore other people, is ingrained into many Japanese households that practice Shinto traditions. Treasuring what you have, treating the objects you own as not disposable, but valuable, no matter their actual monetary worth, and creating displays so you can value each individual object are all essentially Shinto ways of living. Even if you don't have the space for shelves of books or can't afford a dresser with enough drawers, make what you have work for you instead of being unhappy that you don't have more. End quote. Karen, I know your background is in psychotherapy, and we dip into psychology now and again on this podcast. So tell me about how the method impacts not just your home, but your health, wealth, family, and well being. This is something I have become more and more interested in the longer I work with a variety of people. And one of the things that I have become really convinced of is that people are disorganized a lot of times because clutter is a reaction to stress and anxiety. I find that a lot of my clients have accumulated a lot of things because buying stuff helps alleviate anxiety or stress or feeling overwhelmed for a brief second. They describe this idea that when they walk up to the counter at the Gap store with five t-shirts that are on sale, while they are checking out, they feel completely empowered and in charge and as though they, they have now accomplished something. Even if they know in the long run, those five inexpensive Gap t-shirts will sit in their closet or they will not last them that long or aren't even something that works for them. But there is this idea that accumulating and acquiring is somehow a substitution for real relaxation. You know, we talk a lot about shopping therapy or, you know, if you're feeling stressed out, just go wander around the mall or just go get on Amazon. And I think that a lot of clutter comes from a place of feeling overwhelmed and anxious. And a lot of those are messages that we learn in our childhood. Maybe we come from a background where there was not a lot of abundance. Maybe we come from an impoverished background or, you know, we grew up in homes where we didn't have a lot of things. And so in our adulthood, if we're able to, being able to buy whatever we want feels like a great accomplishment, even if it's not something that's going to bring somebody lasting satisfaction. Or there's a lot of guilt, right? So people give you things or you've inherited things and you feel an obligation to keeping those things. Or maybe your children have left home and you feel like you're keeping all of these things because your kids may want them one day. Or you bought things for a hobby that you thought you would love and it turns out that you didn't like that hobby at all, but you spent all this money. So all of these things lead up to us having homes that feel overwhelmed and stuff with things that don't really matter that much to us. So tell me about the concept of visual clutter. Which is everything from having your kitchen counters full of stuff to having your desk cluttered with papers and books and mail and junk mail and utensils and, and notebooks that you've never got around to journaling in or whatever it might be for you. Those things all create what we call visual clutter. And they really occupy the place in your brain that gets calm and relaxed before you need to complete something you want to focus on. So I, I really feel that, that anxiety and stress are not only the cause of a lot of clutter, but also the thing that keeps us stuck in a lot of clutter. Taking a, a hard look at, at where we are and what has brought us to this place is super important to moving past it. 
So grab a pen and paper and let's get to the questions to ask yourself about your home space and your reason. Question number one, how do I feel in my home? If your answer is anxious, nervous, or stressed, maybe one way to turn that negative energy into a positive is to organize. Question number two, what type of physical stuff do I need to support the things I am most passionate about? And therefore, what can I get rid of that isn't in line with this? You can do this exercise with each person in your family. Question number three, what can I eliminate so that I can experience more of what I love with ease? For example, I just watched one of the Marie Kondo episodes in which the family had so much stuff that there was no empty space on the floors. There was no place for them to gather and feel relaxed without the pressure of I should be cleaning. So the clutter ruined the thing that was most important to them, which was quality family time. So going through this particular process that has a beginning, middle, and end could be a helpful way to address your scenario. Question number four, how many times during one day or maybe one week can I not find what I need? So if you lose your keys often, if you spend any amount of time looking for stuff, that might be a sign that applying this organization recipe could lead to a more peaceful way of life for you. Question number five. If disorganization is causing arguments with people in my family, might hiring a coach be a better route to get us all on the same page? So I'm doing virtual consultants as well, as well as some in person. I do limit it for safety reasons here in New York City. Um, I've worked with people as far away as Berlin, actually. What I find is that I do sessions with clients a category at a time. I usually keep it to about an hour. What I tell my clients is that the main difference between having me there and not is that they have to actually do the physical work. So that is one thing that is a little, requires a little bit more motivation. We'll speak on Zoom for an hour and then they'll have homework that they'll do and they come back to me with questions via email. A lot of times I'm working with people who are maybe in the middle of the process but have found some category that they need help with. And so we might focus on a particular trouble spot that they're having. I'm finding a lot of people are really focused on their home offices. For a lot of people, it holds a lot of different categories. It holds multiple kimono categories and books and papers and, and all those kinds of things. So it can be a real challenge. Also, working with students. Electronic content is also a category. And it can encompass not only content like you would consider paper, but also things like books and certainly sentimental things. So when you think about photos on your computer or on your phone, some people have long emails that are very sentimental to them and then along with tens of thousands of junk emails. So that can be a real challenge as well. And so sometimes I work with people just on their electronic clutter. 
I often wonder about digital organization because of the huge amount of photos and videos we amass every day. The volume can be overwhelming if you don't have a system to manage it and easily find what you're looking for. I love this idea of a digital organizer. Kristen, I know you're based in Chicago. Tell me about your virtual lessons. Right now I'm offering one-on-one consultations and they are two hours and they are like tidy blitzes. So they're typically in some kind of series. Usually once a week is the cadence that my clients prefer. Some, you know, will hire me here and there, just one lesson. Some will hire me for a package of three or six. And what we do is we work through a category, but within, of course, the context of a room. So I'm kind of fixed in the room, so to speak. And then they will bring their category to me. So we will be in the bedroom if we're working on the closet and we'll work on clothing or they will set me up in their office and we'll work on all the categories that come up when it comes to work life. So yeah, we're tidying on. I've found that some of my existing clients have chosen to have kind of a half and half situation where we work together in person. And then once I get familiar with the space, usually just after one visit, I'm familiar with their space enough to provide them with even more specific guidance virtually. So that's been working out really, really well. And then they are gifting that to their kids. So I love to uh, tidy with teenagers specifically. I think that's like the best time to really make sure you understand the skill of organization. So yeah, it's great to use during any life transition. And right now we're all going through a life transition. If you are interested in learning more about the Kanmari method, definitely head over to sparkjoypodcast.com. Well, we know that there is no such thing as perfect, even in a professional organizer's home. If you could change one thing in your own home by the wave of a magic wand, what would it be? We don't have a terrace or a balcony, and I miss that terribly. As time goes on, I realize that I really want to have a place to grow a little something, even if it's just a flower box. So in case we don't live in this apartment forever, the next apartment must have some outdoor space. Storage-wise and organization-wise, really happy with everything here, but it took a long time and I really had to evaluate the space and think about what it was that I was actually needing and using and what we wanted to accommodate in our lives and And there have been a lot of changes as we've lived in this apartment. So, you know, homes are a work in progress, no matter how perfectly well you think something's organized or no matter how perfectly well it is organized, you know, what you want to have around you will change. And that's really a good thing. Well, I will say that I love my house almost 100%. The only thing I would change is like some mechanical things. So cosmetically, I love where it's at. I have been really intentional over the last four years I've lived here in Chicago, just to settle into this space. I love the natural light. I live under a thousand square feet. I love the efficiency of my space. It's easy to clean, but it has very high ceilings. Well, one usually thinks of that as a desirable and awesome. So sometimes I feel like the ceiling is getting heated instead of my body, (laughs) um, which is really frustrating and can be expensive at times. So it's definitely the drawback of living in an older home that's got that true vintage character, but also is drafty sometimes. Also, my laundry facilities are in the basement. So I'm on the third floor and 
I have to walk outside and downstairs. Now, I really shouldn't complain because, you know, I could have no facilities and have to go to a laundromat. But I will say it's not the greatest basement. And that's the problem. It, it's uh, got some spiders. You know, it's just a little creepy. And so I spend like a second of time there just long enough to put the clothes in the laundry and then I just run out. But besides that, I do 100% love my home. The flaws and all, I would say, because some drawers definitely aren't perfect. We want to keep our homes fluid and flexible and leave room to grow. I know that we sometimes get caught up in how we perceive others' lives to be maybe so wonderful or their homes to be so ideal or spacious. And honestly, there's always going to be a challenge of some kind or another in every home, no matter how perfect it seems from the outside. Incorporating time and sanity savers into your life is paramount to keeping stressors at bay. One of those things I swear by is coming up with a menu for the week and shopping for it all at once, eliminating multiple trips to the store in a week. Listen to podcast number three to learn more about incorporating this time-saving automation into your life. If you've got an internet connection, I can do a home functionality consult with you no matter where you live. But if you happen to live in the greater Portland, Oregon metro area, I can help you search for your next home with home functionality at the forefront of the buying process. If you're needing to sell, let's get your home set up to look and function its best to get top dollar for your investment. I'm a realtor in the state of Oregon, so not only can I address the inevitable concerns and questions that will arise when you're thinking of buying or selling, but I can add value to the transaction by discussing home functionality, your lifestyle, and solving the puzzle of odd spaces. To get coaching from Kristen or Karen, read their bios, visit their website, or listen to the Spark Joy podcast, check the links in the podcast notes, or visit the Facebook Home Space and Reason group page. You'll find everything there to easily connect. If you have a home functionality question that you'd like answered, visit my website spaceandreason.com or connect on social media by looking for the handle Space and Reason. If you've enjoyed this as much as I have, subscribe, leave a review, and help me share the show. Thanks for sitting in on this conversation about creating a home that thrives, and I'll meet you back here for the next episode. 